You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjax.com. Right now we have a scripture reading. Courtney Bowser is going to come up and read. Epic AM, if you haven't left in your middle school, you should have left. This is the part of the service that gets boring. <laughs> Thanks, Haley. <laughs> I think they're going to put it on the screen. Just then, his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. There I was, sitting at this well with this woman. I've been convincing her, trying to convince her that you're not here. What you're really thirsty for, you're not really thirsty for. Talking about this living water. Talking and talking and talking. Trying to get her to believe me. That there's something I have that you can't get from that well. A water that when it bubbles up inside of you, you'll never be thirsty again. Something that leads to a life that is greater than the life you have here on this earth. And I tried and I tried and I tried and then the Holy Spirit moved on her heart. And I saw her heart open up to receive this truth, the gospel truth. This good news that I've been telling her. And she received it. And then you should have seen the look on her face when I started talking about her adultery and her five husbands. She was shocked. Started talking about religion and dodging the issue. But then she saw me not judging her. She saw me look into her eyes with a love from a man that she had longed for but had never received, from a father that she longed for and had never known. I could just see her heart open up. I looked into her eyes and loved her right there, unlike she had been loved before. I loved her like a disciple. Father, this morning we pray that you would pour out your love on all of our disciples this morning. But right about that time I was talking to her and she received it, the disciples walk back in. They come back with this stare on their face. I'll never forget it. This stare of judgment, of cynicism, of condemnation. And they looked at me, they looked at her. They didn't even know what to say. 
Talk about an awkward moment to the point where she ran. They just stood there and looked at us like we were doing something wrong. Well, and we were, if you considered what the world says. But these were my disciples, my students, my friends, the ones I had known the best, that I knew the best, the ones I would poured my life into. And they were judging me. They were condemning me. They looked at me like the Pharisees looked at me. They were saying things in their heart and in their mind that I remember hearing at the temple when I was growing up. The Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious rulers and the rabbis telling me things like, Jesus, you're a young boy. As you grow as a rabbi, as you grow in your knowledge of the Torah and the law, don't waste your time sharing it with women. It's evil. It's a waste of time. They're a waste of time. They'll never understand. They'll never know. Don't waste your time talking to people that aren't on your level. Don't waste your time talking to people that, that don't have the knowledge that we have, that don't have the prestige and the power that we've been trusted with. We are to rule over them, but not waste our time on them. The religious rulers telling me that, and all the time, I'm just thinking, that doesn't sound right to me. That's not consistent with what my father's been telling me in the spirit about who he's come to love. That he's preparing me to seek and to save the least, the last, and the lost. One of them even said that, according to Jewish law in this one place, that it was just as bad to teach your daughter the Torah as it was to sell her into prostitution. So yeah, I understand why they would judge me when they came up. I was talking to this woman in the middle of the day. But they knew me better than that by now. They had seen me love people that no one else loved. They knew that I was following the orders of my father, being obedient to my father only. They saw my heart. They knew knew better. But they still judged me when they came back. Those same looks the rabbis and the Pharisees gave, the poor, the leper, women on the street, they were giving to me that day. My disciples were giving to me judgment pride, and condemnation. Those closest to me who knew me the best, or at least I thought, those who I'd poured my deepest teaching into, judgment, pride, they missed it. They were missing what is most most important to me. Most important is the transformation of hearts. People receiving my father's love. It seems like The more they were knowing, the more they were learning about me, the harder it was for them to experience my love. And the harder it was for them to extend my love and my grace to other people. Could that be possible? Could that be possible? The more that they loved me, the more that that they got close to me, the more knowledge they had of me. Somehow, that same knowledge that should draw them to life and to give love and to give Grace would do the exact opposite, would create in them a heart of judgment, would create in them a heart of cynicism. A Samaritan woman, she got it. She was crazy. She received the gift. She acted more like a disciple that day than any of them. She was so excited when she received the gift of love that I had given her, of life, of living water. She received it, 
was so excited. She, she left her jar and just ran back to the city. She forgot what she had come there for, had ran back to the city. She was so excited about the love she had received, forgetting everything, just going for it. Pure thankfulness, no pride, no judgment. How can you be prideful in judgment in your brokenness? The disciples, it seems like, they were missing it. It's like she saw it as a treasure in a field. She's willing to sell everything. Oh, that's another gospel, but that's how she saw it, as something more valuable than anything, that she's willing to give everything away to get it, risking her reputation with people who are judging her. She was willing to give it all to receive the, the living water I drink. I remember when these guys, these 12 were like that. When I first got them, they were shocked. They dropped everything too. They left their families. They left their children. They left their nets. They left their businesses. They left everything to follow me. They hung on every word, every word I said. They were amazed. They were in awe. They had never been a teacher like this. With this authority, they said. We've never seen the miracles and the signs and the wonders. Man, they were right there, right there with me. They saw my love, and they saw my Father's kingdom coming, and they were fired up. But again, on that day, judgment, the more they learned about me, the more knowledge they had, the more power and the more authority, the further away they got from my Father's heart, the more difficult it became, the easier it became to be filled with pride, to be filled with cynicism. And to be filled with judgment. They come back. They judge me. They scare her away. And then they start talking about food. Are you serious? You're judging me and then you ask me if I'm hungry. They're, again, they're like her. She's worried about drinking water. They're worried about physical food. It's like they don't even get the kingdom perspective I've been talking about. It's like, they don't, it's like they're, they're back at square one. I'm like, are you serious? Food? So I told him, I was like, yeah, 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 I've already eaten. I've already eaten. How do you like that? I've already eaten. I'm filled up. How do you like that? And you know what they did? They got ticked off. It's like they got this attitude like, oh, no, you didn't, Jesus. That's our job. Our job is to take care of the rabbi. Our job is to provide food. And there I saw it again, pride. Pride rising up in them. Somehow they had a, a connection with me that was greater than the connection I was wanting to extend to other people or at the expense of extending it to other people. Yeah, they were closest to me. They knew me the most. They had, ex they had seen and experienced more of my love, more of my Father's kingdom than anyone. But instead of it leading to a deeper love for others and for them, you know, to extend a greater measure of grace to others, instead of that, it leads them towards pride and judgment and condemnation. And then my father started speaking to me when they were like having their little hissy fit about the food thing. My father starts to speak to me through the spirit, right? He starts to tell me, hey, remind them that it's not about them. I mean, he didn't say it like that, and he wouldn't let me say it like that. 
But that's what he was implying. And he starts, remind them about the harvest. Remind them why you're here, why I've sent you, why you'll die. Remind them about what this is really about. Because they've forgotten and they've made it all about them. They've made it about what they can get from you, what they can get from me, what makes them happy, what satisfies them. And so I brought them, I brought them all. And by now the Samaritan woman had gone back to town. She'd gone back to town and started telling people about me, right? And they're all wearing these white robes they're all wearing these white robes. And so we look down the street, and I lift up their eyes, and I say, look, look at, do you see these people coming? They're white. It's like a field, a harvest is rising up. This is what I'm about. This is why I've come. This is what we're called to, guys. This is what satisfies me, doing the will of my Father, obeying Him. That's what my food is. That's what feeds my heart, and that's what is meant to feed yours. Look around you. This is who we're called to, not ourselves. We are called to suffer and to sacrifice for the harvest. That's what I'm about. And then I told him, I I told him as gently as I could, you know, if you're less busy, if you're less busy worrying about yourself, Worrying about your needs, worrying about what you thought, what you learned, what you think we should be teaching. If you are less worried about yourself and a little more worried about the harvest, we wouldn't be having this conversation. But they weren't. They weren't. See, I was trying to convince them, I need you for the harvest. My father needs you for the harvest. That's what I've called you for. That's what you've left everything for. That's what you're called to sacrifice for. What's more important, it's not, you know, what's not important is what you know. It's what's, what's not important is how much you know about me. What's not important is what's here. What's important is what's here. What's important is that you're being filled with my living water like the woman. That's what's important. Like the Samaritan woman, you're as thirsty as she is, but you're not anymore. What's important is that you are seeking after and needing my love and my grace and my mercy and my forgiveness. That you are hungry to experience my Father's love. And out of that flows living waters. That's what she was excited about, but you've lost interest. They were still struggling. I could tell they were still struggling to get this. I was talking to him, trying to convince him of the harvest, just like I was trying to convince the lady of the water, trying to get him on board, and they kept resisting and not understanding, and just, they were just having a hard time with it, again, because of the knowledge that they had stored up. I told him my father, for hundreds of years, has been planting seeds in people, through the prophets, through the word, through the spirit, planting seeds, and he's calling us, calling us together as a team, and to, to being a part of the harvest. And how fun is that? That I've done everything that needs to be done. And there's a joy in the harvest. There's a joy that comes in the harvest that you will never experience when you're focused on worrying about yourself. And I said, I was like, come on. Don't you want to be about reaping the harvest with me? 
It's what's most exciting about life with me is we get to reap the harvest. That's how you will not become prideful. That's how you'll deal with your judgmental heart. That's how you'll deal with being condemning to people. You'll need to keep coming to me. You'll need to keep being filled from me because the harvest will keep growing. The harvest will be a place that you find joy. And as you're filled with the joy and the harvest, you'll know that this is where life is. This is where life is. And I said, I tried to say this like catchy thing. It wasn't the Holy Spirit. I said, you know, you were the harvest and now you're the harvesters. And they just kind of still looked at me. They just didn't get it. You were the harvest and you were, and they just didn't get it. And I said, you know, I kind of, you know, I said, look, look, are you going to be like Nicodemus? Who knows everything? Who's knowledgeable about the law but is a coward, is afraid to meet with me in the dark, or, I mean, in the light so they hides in the dark from the other religious rulers? Is that who you want to be like? Well, then go fill your head up with knowledge. I didn't say that either, but man, I wanted to because that's what they were seeking. But I'd seen the hearts of the Pharisees who'd searched the word and knew the word, but they, they didn't know me. They didn't know me. They didn't know my love, and they therefore couldn't extend it to anybody. See, I know this thing, this reality, that for them and for us and for you and for, this is life. It's just too hard. It's just too hard without being filled with the living water. The harvest is too great without being filled with the living water. When we get focused on ourselves, we lose sight of where the joy is, where the life comes from. And I knew it. I saw, I saw down the road of where they were heading, that they would be persecuted, that they would go through trials that they would be beaten, that they would die for the truth that they were seeing that day as I talked to the woman at the well. That's why I told him, I said, look, guys, I told him later on, I said, I said, look, there's going to be a day. You're going to experience tribulation in the world. You're going to experience tribulation in the world on this side of heaven. It's going to happen. But I have overcome the world. Keep coming to me. Keep seeking to build my Father's kingdom. There you will find life in me and joy and something that's bigger and greater than you. Like the Samaritan woman, for them to make it in this world, I knew that they need to receive the living water on a daily basis, allowing it to bubble up in them, to push away their judgment and their condemnation and pride. It is so simple. It's not complicated. Just come to me. You know, and in the end, in the end, the good news is that they were able to do that. They were able to get their eyes off of their own needs and onto, onto me, and back onto my father's kingdom, building my father's kingdom. Every one of them in the end, every one of them died for the living water, for the truth of the living water, not for religion. They didn't die for the law. They didn't die because they knew about me or the knowledge they had of me. They died for me. They died for the experience that they had tasted of my love, the life that I gave them when we were together. I know in the end that they did love me. After all, you know, no one chooses to die for something they think about or they, they rationalize. You only die 
or live to what you experience to be true and that brings life. The more they knew about me, the harder it was for them to experience my love and to give that love to other people. My encouragement is to drink the living water that that Samaritan woman got that day. Drink the living water that comes from my father, that comes in intimacy with me. Continue to work and to reap with me the harvest that my father has prepared. Just show up. Get your eyes off your own stuff and onto the harvest, and you'll find joy, and you'll find life to the full. It's worth living for. It's worth dying for. This is the third of three talks I've done on this story. The third one being, for those in here, those of us who struggle with being judgmental, who struggle with being cynical, who struggle with the things we don't like about other people or the church, we might tend to point a finger. And usually it's always because we've lost sight of the living water. It's always because we've taken our eyes off the harvest and we've put it on ourselves. So this is the final talk on this, so you can come next week knowing that I will not be talking about the Samaritan woman. But before we leave today, the invitation is for everybody and anybody who has a little seed in their heart of judgment, of dissatisfaction, disapproval. The table's been set for us to receive the freedom that comes in being forgiven and bringing that to Jesus. And we all struggle with that. I struggle with that. We all have that buried somewhere. And just, I didn't want to move off the story without giving us the opportunity to repent, to receive forgiveness, and the love that Jesus has for us. But we also want to extend an invitation for anybody and everybody like the Samaritan woman who's felt judged, who's felt condemned, and who's felt looked upon to receive prayer today, to know that Jesus came for you as much as he did for the disciples. And according to this story, you understand the gospel better than they do. Your life is a living testimony of the gospel in a way that they will struggle to be with theirs to be. So the invitation is for you as well. If you'd like prayer for physical healing, we'd love to pray for you also. Our prayer ministers will be down here. So why don't we stand now?